I am Karan Bhatia, and welcome to Ask the Experts Podcast, Volume 2. If you haven't checked out Episode 1, please do so. We broke down Joshua versus Ruiz. We analyzed it. We had an excellent panel of experts. Today is Episode 2, and we are going to talk about more topical things going on in the world of boxing. We have great guests to cover all those. We are going to be talking to Joseph Parker. He's a heavyweight and the only man to beat Andy Ruiz. There's a lot of rumors circling around about Canelo Alvarez. Who is he going to fight? He was supposed to fight Golovkin for the third fight, and then out of nowhere we heard Sergey Kovalev's name. We have Kovalev's promoter, Jolene Mazone. She is the VP of Operations and Matchmaker for Main Events. She's going to update us on what's going on with these rumors. And another big event in the world of boxing, bare-knuckle boxing. Pauli Malinaji took on Artem Lobov in the main event of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 6. And who better to talk about that event are Pauli Malinaji and Artem Lobov. You're going to hear from both men. I was lucky enough to interview them. Plus, we have Billy Dibb. He just got the call up to fight Amir Khan on July 12th. And from the con side, we have Alex Ariza, his strength coach. And before we get to our guests, let's talk about what's going on in boxing. As I said earlier, Canelo Alvarez. He beat Danny Jacobs. We thought it's inevitable he's going to fight Triple G for the trilogy. It's going to happen this fall. That's what everyone thought would happen. Think again. We've seen the rumors swirling around Twitter, swirling around everywhere, that Canelo is now interested in moving up in weight. He may face Callum Smith, or he could go to light heavyweight to fight Sergey Kovalev. Yes, that Sergey Kovalev. Like I said, we have the absolute perfect person to talk about it. Jolene Mazone is the VP of Operations and Matchmaker for Main Events. That's Kovalev's promoter. She has been in boxing for as long as you can remember. She's one of the best matchmakers in boxing. And I asked her point blank about these rumors. And actually, it turns out they're not just rumors. Main Events is aware of them, and she's going to tell us what is most likely for Kovalev's next fight. Also going on in boxing recently, Jermel Charlo knocked out Jorge Coda. And why is that notable? Boxer safety has been coming up to the forefront. Jermel knocked down Coda in round three, and as Coda got up, referee Jay Nady took Coda's hand off of the ropes and almost forced him to continue. What ended up happening? Charlo knocked out Coda with a vicious one-two, and Coda was not at all prepared to defend himself. Now people are calling on Jay Nady to explain himself. Why did he keep that fight going? I actually reached out to Jay Nady to see if he would be on the podcast for an interview. He denied that request. So it's up to us to decide what we think happened. Jay Nady is older in age, and there's been a lot of talk of, do we need younger referees? Do we need to retrain some referees? Fighters' safety should not be put into jeopardy from referees. If anything, we want refs to stop these fights early. We don't want people to have the fate that Coda had against Jermel Charlo. Speaking of boxers' safety, what about bare-knuckle boxing? Like I said, I was lucky enough to interview both Holly Malinaji and Artem Lobov. Why is that interesting? Well, there's so much to unpack there. There's such a big backstory. Pauli Malinaji was in Conor McGregor's training camp when Conor was training for Floyd Mayweather. And it started off well, they were sparring, and then it didn't end up so well. There was video released where Conor said he knocked down Pauli. Pauli says that's not the full story. That was a slip, released the whole fight. The whole fight was never released, and that caused a big beef between Pauli and Conor. Enter Artem Lobov. Artem trains with Connor. They're good friends. And Connor's arch enemy, Khabib Nurmagomedov, had an issue with Artem, confronted Artem, got in his face, and that's actually what caused Connor to take his private jet straight from Ireland to Barclays Center. 
try to confront Khabib, who was in a bus, as we all know. Connor picked up a dolly and smashed the bus window, got into a lot of trouble for that. So what does that all mean? You have four guys who all hate each other, and two of them just fought, Polly and Artem Lobov. And there was a lot of smack talk. There was a lot of pre-fight hype. Polly actually slapped Artem in the face during a media workout. He spit on him. He said he would spit on his family. There was a lot of bad blood there. We're going to hear from Polly and in his own words what happened on his fight against Artem. Polly felt he was robbed. I watched the fight. I thought it was a close fight, but to me it seemed like Polly did enough to win. I thought he outboxed Artem, though I thought it was close. It felt like Artem came on a little late. It's interesting to note that all three judges gave the first two rounds to Polly. And all three judges gave the last three rounds to Artem. So Artem obviously came on late. The other thing that happened is Polly actually broke his hand in round two. He is going to talk about that and tell us exactly what happened. You know he's always outspoken. He has a lot to say. And you're going to get an exact percentage on how likely it is that Pauli Malignaggi will ever fight Conor McGregor. And spoiler alert, it's not very high. And then who else better to break down Pauli Malignaggi versus Artem Lobov than Artem Lobov himself, the GOAT, the Russian hammer. He won the fight and he's going to tell us what's next for him. I'll tell you this, he wants a big name, and he wants a big name in boxing, and that is Amir Khan. He called out Amir Khan during our interview, and I asked him, I said, is that going to be MMA? Is that going to be boxing? He answered that, and also he answered if he still has beef with Khabib. We brought up Amir Khan. Why is that interesting? Well, Amir Khan, as we all know, he fought Terrence Crawford earlier this year. He went down in the first round. It was debatable if he quit or if he was hit low. But he was now scheduled to fight Niraj Goyat from India. This was going to be an India versus Pakistan matchup in Saudi Arabia. And what ended up happening, Goyat was in a car crash. So they needed someone to fill that void. Who is going to take on Amir Khan? They found that person in Billy the Kid Dib. Billy Dib is going to be fighting Amir Khan. And we will be speaking with Billy Dib. We're going to ask him what it means to get this opportunity. Here's what's interesting about that fight. We've been talking about fighter safety and how we have to improve that in the sport. Billy Dib's fights have been at 130 or 135 pounds. He's going to go up over 10 pounds to fight Amir Khan on two weeks' notice. Where is his mindset? He's daring to be great, but does he think he can actually win? We ask him about that. And then to get the Khan perspective on things, I am going to be speaking to Amir Khan's strength and conditioning coach, Alex Ariza. He actually called me from Saudi Arabia. That's where they are training right now. Alex was with Khan back when he fought Marcos Maidana. If you remember, Maidana had a 97% knockout percentage, I think, at the time. And Khan actually stayed up in that fight, even though he was almost completely knocked out in the 10th round. Can you give Alex Ariza credit for that win? Maybe, maybe not. But Alex Ariza and Khan split up. Khan went on to win some big fights. He also went on to lose some. Now he's back with Alex Ariza. Is that his secret sauce? Is that the special component that he needs to help him stay up in these fights? I ask Ariza how he's rebuilding Khan and what he's going to do differently for this new replacement opponent. Remember, they were originally training for Niraj Goyet. Now they're going to take on a much smaller opponent in Billy the Kid Dib. You also may know the name Alex Ariza because he used to be Manny Pacquiao's strength and conditioning coach. I asked him about how Manny Pacquiao's body has evolved, how his boxing style has evolved, and what is Alex Ariza's pick on Manny Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman? How is that fight going to play out? Let's talk about what else has happened in boxing since Joshua Ruiz, the fallout, the rematch, as we know, is coming together. There's talks for November or December. Mexico was thrown out there. The UK was thrown out there as a location. New York City is definitely a possibility. 
the details are still getting sorted out, but one thing we do know for sure, Joseph Parker is the one man on planet Earth that can say he beat Andy Ruiz, who is the three-belt heavyweight champion. And we're going to talk to Joseph Parker, not only about his fight coming up, but we're going to break down what happened in Joshua Ruiz and what was his pick when he heard that matchup was made. In addition, like I said, he's the only man to take Joshua 12 rounds. That's interesting. Joshua either knocked out all his opponents or, like we saw in the case of the Ruiz, got knocked out. So what did Joseph Parker learn from going 12 rounds with uh, Anthony Joshua? Parker is fighting Alex Leopai this weekend in Providence, Rhode Island. He's going to be on the undercard of another big player in the middleweight division. That is Demetrius Andrade, who's taking on Suleki. The winner of that fight is obviously in the mix to fight a Gennady Golovkin, a Danny Jacobs, or even a Canelo Alvarez. Obviously, like I said, that all depends on who Canelo ends up fighting next. The rumors are swirling about. So without further ado, let us get to our first guest. He's the heavyweight from New Zealand. Joseph Parker is up first. My name is Karan Bhatia, and let's ask the experts. All right, this is Karan Bhatia for the Ask the Experts podcast. I am speaking to the only man to defeat the current three-belt holder, Andy Ruiz, the only man to take Anthony Joshua to the distance. It is Joseph Parker from New Zealand. This weekend, he's fighting Alex Leopai. Joseph, just take us through uh, this matchup that you have this weekend against Alex Leopai uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Tell us your initial thoughts on that fight. Yeah, it's, um, you know, every fight, as a as a as a time for you to get into the ring and enjoy yourself with all the hard work that's been done in training camp, and it's a uh, time to to relax and enjoy it and have fun. And uh, I have Alex Leopold an opponent. You know, we, initially we had Eric Molina, but um, there was a few issues there, so he wasn't available, and we had two or three other people lined up as backup plans in case something didn't go through, which it obviously it didn't, and then that didn't go through as well. So. Alex was um, the person who put up his hand and said he was willing to come over here and he wants to come here and knock me out. <clears throat> and uh, I think, if, if it, you know, for him, it's a great opportunity to get his name out there again. For me, I'm trying to get back to the world title shot and, uh, you know, fight for the unified championship of the world again. So I have to take these steps to get there. And, um, you know, I don't take any opponent lightly. Um, everyone that I face, I take very seriously and I train very hard for, for this fight. You're from New Zealand. He's from Australia. I know you both share the Samoan heritage. Is there a little bit of uh, bad blood just based on on a rivalry there? There's always, you know, there's always a rivalry with Australia and New Zealand, you know, and they they want to be the best at this, and we want to be the best at this, and and so there's a lot of it's very uh, competitive between the, the two countries. So in that sense, yeah, there's a uh, you know me as a New Zealander, Samoan, I want to win and to represent my countries, and he wants to. And they went to represent Australia and Samoa, so uh, the best man's going to win on the day. And I, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've done everything I can in training camp, so I want to go out there and put on a great performance and enjoy myself. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm looking to get that victory. Since your your fight with Dillian White, it was a very close fight. He he knocked you down twice. You knocked him down in the twelfth round and, and almost stopped him. I've read that since that time you've made some changes. You've been training full time, not just not just preparing for big fights, um, and you've also changed 
from nice guy to nasty in the ring. Is is that accurate? Has there been a physical shift and also a mind shift, a mindset shift for you? Yeah, most most definitely. I uh, I see those I've had with, with Joshua and White as fights that I've sort of taken away uh, a lot of things from uh, from that fight. And um, you know, going into the training camps, I've always had a problem with uh, my weight. I always come back overweight, and uh, I'll be spending. Uh, two or three weeks trying to lose weight and get in shape rather than focusing on on skills techniques and and the combinations that we that we can work on so i made a um i think with maturity and um having a good program and schedule when i'm back at home i was able to you know sit in training twice a day and keep in shape and this is the best shape that i've been in coming into camp um in my whole life so i think um uh, mentally it's uh it's given me a lot of confidence because i know that i've come in a good shape you know, and I spent the whole camp working on different things instead of losing the weight. So I'm, I'm fully, it just shows the, the focus that I have. I, I think I'm a, little, a lot more focused now that I'm not champion than when I was champion. Safe to say the, the losses that you had have lit a fire under you. I must ask you, your you have a very unique perspective about the big heavyweight upset that happened a few weeks ago. You fought Andy Ruiz. You are the only man to defeat Andy Ruiz. Uh, you also fought Anthony Joshua. You're the only man to take Joshua to 12 rounds. So you have a very, very, very unique uh, perspective. When that matchup was made, everyone thought Joshua was going to roll over Ruiz. What did you think, being in the ring with both guys, um, what was your initial impressions of how that fight was going to play out? Uh, yeah, before the fight, they asked me if, you know, questions because I've been in the ring with both guys. And I said that, you know, Joshua, was, uh, with the fight ahead of him, he did very well to control the distance. And, and I, I, I was unable to get in like Ruiz did. And then when they asked me about Ruiz, I said, Ruiz has got some pop behind his punches because of the speed that he possesses. And I said that... Um, you know, he has the ability to, to get a victory. And I didn't think he'll get a victory like that. He did it in, in great fashion. And so, you know, it just shows that, that uh, you know, there's uh, in the heavyweight division in boxing, there's always going to be surprises. And also, you know, anything can happen. You know, and styles make fights. And I'm not sure if the style of Ruiz was good for Joshua. And your fight with Joshua, like I said, you, you went 12 rounds. The only person to do that... Was that a learning experience for you? I mean, in that fight, it was a close fight, but you were a, maybe a little bit tentative, a little bit gun shy. Was that a, was that a big learning experience fighting Anthony Joshua? Yeah, it's a it's a very big it was a big learning because uh, you know in the fight um, it's very good to to work on defense and the the goal of the fight is not to get hit and do the hitting. But I think offensively, I wasn't throwing enough punches. So in that sense, I was able to go back and and work on you know having good defense but also having a good you know off you know when you're throwing punches and, and combinations there so i was able to work on that and i feel like i'm a, a lot more aggressive fighter than i was back then right now the heavyweight division everyone is talking about the four-headed monster that is joshua ruiz wilder and fury I've read that you've said you're not really in the mix or part of the conversation, but you have that drive to be part of the conversation. Do you want there to be a five-headed monster currently in the heavyweight division? Yeah, I, I know I belong at the top level. And, uh, you know, I've had a few setbacks with the two losses um, you know, to Joshua and to, to White. And I know that um, where I stand at the moment, I have to sort of climb myself back up to the top and I'll take the steps to get there. But if those guys... I, I, if those guys gave me a call tomorrow and said, hey, am I willing to fight them? I'll fight any of them. I'm, I'm willing to go anywhere to fight anyone at any time. And, and I believe I have the, the, you know, the, the skills to be able to beat them. 
And not to look ahead of your upcoming fight against Alex Leopold, but he is 39 years old. After this fight, what do you want? Who do you want to rematch with Dillian White? Do you want to do you want to rematch with Anthony Joshua? Do you want to rematch with Andy Ruiz? Andy Ruiz has said that if he gets past Joshua in his rematch, he would like to fight you. What do you want next? Listen, I would like to avenge the losses that I've had. And um if Ruiz, you know, if Ruiz you know, hopefully I get past this opponent, which I which I you know, I have a full full confidence in myself. Hopefully Ruiz gets past uh Joshua again, I'll fight him, you know, and I'll fight uh I'll fight uh Dylan White anytime. I'll be calling him out and, and said, you know, that was a close fight and uh, a few things happened in the fight which, you know, headbutt and sort of changed the cause of the fight. So I'll fight him anytime. Um, and I like, yeah, like I said, I like to avenge the losses to, to Joshua and White. So if they give me a call, I can make the fight happen. And just to close it out, like we said, you're fighting Alex Leopold this weekend. Uh, give the fans a prediction. How is that fight going to play out? And are you going to win by knockout? Yeah, the prediction, um, you know, I think he's going to come in strong. He's going to come in strong for the first uh, first few rounds. And then uh, my, my, what I have in my mind is that I want to jab jab him and I'm going to, you know, break him down, smash him from the outside, then I'm going to pick my shots and knock him out. That, Joseph, that is great. Thank you so much. Before I let you go, I, I have some friends from New Zealand. So they, they told me to say, yeah, nah, and they wanted me to ask if you like pineapple lumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> pineapple lumps. Pineapple lumps are the best. You got to have some, brother. <laughs> I got to try some. Joseph Parker, Best of luck with your challenge with Alex Leopi, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot of you in the heavyweight division trying to avenge some of the losses you've had, becoming a champion again. Best of luck to you, and I, and I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Joseph Parker looking to get back into the mix with the top heavyweights in the division. Next, we have Jolene Mazone. She's going to update us on what is going on with those rumors that we've been hearing. Is Sergey Kovalev going to fight Canelo Alvarez? This is uh, Karen Batia for the Ask the Experts podcast. I am lucky enough to be speaking to Jolene Mizone. She is the Vice President of Operations and Matchmaker for Main Events. Jolene, the, the first thing I obviously have to ask you about, we've seen the rumors swirling around that Canelo Alvarez may be fighting Sergey Kovalev. Is that Could that be right? <laughs> I've seen the same thing. There's been no offers. Um from Golden Boy, but you know, obviously, Sergey would be interested if the rumors are true, and there needs to be an offer given. If the rumors are true, I mean, look, kudos to Canelo. You know, that's that's a throwback, Tommy Hearns, you know, all those guys moving up in weight, like, that's what legacies are made of. That's what guys do, and that's what he wants to do, so... You know, on the Canelo part, I could see him wanting that because of just how he's challenged himself in his career. But, you know, they have our numbers and they know our numbers. So <laughs> so they haven't reached out, Golden Boy, that is, with an official offer. Um, you've seen the same rumors that we have. Have you or anyone at main events talked to Sergey about that as a possibility? Would he even be interested in that fight? Oh, yeah. Sergey would – look, Sergey would – Sergey's the same Sergey from when we first signed him. Sergey is open for any fight because he has the same mentality. He wants to challenge himself. 
Sergey is always he's always taken on on every challenge. If he doesn't um, take on Canelo, you know there was talks about him fighting uh, Anthony Yard. Is that is that a possibility? Would that be next for him? Yeah, that's his mandatory right now, and that's what we're in the midst of um, just trying to make you know everything is moving along. Nothing signed, sealed, and delivered yet. So. You know, we have to. We can't wait around for rumors. We just have to move forward and look out for Sergey. And Sergey, you know, he came off of the knockout loss to Eladir Alvarez. He avenged that and and won that fight. Um, Anthony Yard is eighteen and zero. He's seventeen knockouts. He's only twenty seven years old. He's from the UK. If that fight does come together, could would that fight take place in the UK? No, that fight would uh, probably take place in Russia. Okay, got it. And you know, we were speaking about uh, Canelo. Um, it was it was announced today that the the WBC is creating a new belt uh, for him, and he would be the franchise champion. I was just curious to your thoughts. You know, as a matchmaker, do you like when there's you know there's obviously the four belts, and then there's interim champion, regular champion. Is that a good thing for you because you can say to your fighters, "Hey, I can get you a title fight." Um, or do you not like that because it kind of dilutes uh, the sport a little bit that there's so many title belts? It, it dilutes. Look, the only one who knows about pink, purple, white, interim, you know, silver, all those type of belts are people within the industry. The general public, you know, knows about just the WBC. So, like, I think it dilutes it a little bit. Um, I'm for the regional titles, like the... NABS and, you know, those regional titles of guys coming up because I think you need those. I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it gets very confusing, of, you know, with the bigger titles of, you know, who the champion is. And it's, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. I, I've seen you uh, write about, you said, as, as our job as promoters is to protect fighters inside and outside of the ring. Um, we just recently had the Jermel Charlo versus Coda fight. Um, Coda was knocked down and it looked like he was done. He had his hand on the ropes and Jay Nady actually took his hand and took it off the ropes and, and forced him to continue what it seemed like. And he ended up getting brutally knocked out by a big one, two from Charlo. Um, I was just curious if, if you saw that fight, your thoughts on that and, and your thoughts on referees and, and what they can do better to, uh, protect these fighters. Well, I think the referee's job, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, Referees, like all of us, are human, and mistakes could happen. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't think every time they should be crucified. I think that as promoters, we need to protect our fighters. So if it's something that happened to one of my fighters and we wanted to protest it or what, that's what we're going to do if we all agree and believe. Um, but I don't think anybody, you know, like I said, referees are human. Like things happen in there and, and mistakes are made, you know, I don't, I'm not big on, you know, crucifying a referee unless it's something that's constant, you know, and, it, you know, there, there's a reason there's commissions. They're supposed to oversee that. That's their job. As promoters, we have to protect our fighter and say, okay, we don't want referee for this fight because of X, Y, and Z. You know, but as far as the repercussions after, I believe, you know, it's the commission's job to reprimand them 
and the promoter's job to protect the fighter. And your job as as a promoter, you've obviously been with main events for a long time, promoting the likes of Arturo Gatti to Sergey Kovalev and everyone in, in between. And it has been traditionally a man's world. And I was just wondering for you what that experience has been like, not only just to survive, but to succeed in that world. Well, see, I tell everybody the same thing. The world we live in is a man's world. So, um, you know, I'm not one that's um, uh, like a feminist of what is me and girl power and this, and I want to be treated equal. I'm not treated equal all the time. And I think as a female, I'm smarter in a way if I'm not being treated equal. I put it in my pocket and tables turn all the time. So, you know, I deal with everybody the way I would deal with, you know, males, females, everything. I think people respect me because, you know, I also have the reputation. You're not going to walk all over me and I'm not going to take no shit, you know. So, and that's kind of how you have to be. But business savvy at the same time, you know, like a lot of people don't want to approach me because, you know, they say, oh, you know, that me personally, I'm very standoffish. I'm hard to deal with. I'm not hard to deal with. I just know what I want and I'm going to get what I want. You know, it's, it's no different than a male. So being in a male dominant sport or business, I don't even look at it that way because Every business, any business I'd be in, it's male dominant. So I have to be who I am, work how I work. And I, you know, I don't have, I've never had a problem with that ever, personally. And your role as a matchmaker, you're, you know, part of what you do is, is assigning these fighters different fights. When you see a big upset happen, for example, a few weeks ago, we obviously had the Huge heavyweight upset, Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. When you see something like that happen to one of your fighters, do you ever second guess um, yourself and say, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put this guy in with with this fighter? Or is that just part of the sport and now you can start to promote uh, maybe the, the guy who got the upset? Um, it's, it's just kind of the sport. Going into a fight, you know, I, I feel well, like... I remember, like, to give you an example, and maybe it's not the greatest, but years ago when Sergey and we were trying to do the first Andre Ward fight, and I remember Kathy saying to me, you know, this is a tough fight. I don't know if we want Andre Ward. Andre Ward, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my first reaction to it was, Sergey beats Andre Ward. She goes, you, you think he really beats him? And I said, yeah, I think he does. Said, you didn't even have to think about it. I said, that's just how I feel. I just, you know, the right Sergey beats him. And look, in my opinion, the first fight, yeah, Sergey's ours. I think he got robbed. Shit happens, whatever, you move on. But most fights that were, unless they're mandatory fights or what, most fights that we do, you know, our fighters are going in where they should win that fight. We can't mentally get them ready, and we don't know every single thing that's happening here. That is on them. So if there's an upset and one of our guys loses, as the fight's happening, you have to understand on a lower level, from a four 
somebody within the second round of already thinking of plan B. Okay, if so and so loses this fight, then you know who can I put him in with? Or you know, I'm always thinking of that. Or okay, this guy beats my guy. Okay, if I could sign him, maybe each give him a fight and then do a re- like. I'm always thinking as the fight's going on. You know, so it's you gotta like kind of you know look at brighter sides of upset sometimes. You know, and- Sergey losing to Alvarez. You know what? It sucked at the time. It sucked. But the brighter side, like I said after the fight, he needed that. Because the brighter side is he finally woke up and said, you know what? I have to change and I have to make changes. And he did. And he listened. He did. He did, and he was able to avenge that loss and uh, take out Elder Alvarez in February of this year. You mentioned Andre Ward. I was just really quick. I was I was curious to your thoughts. Obviously, the first fight, um, you believe Kovalev won. He knocked down Ward early. A lot of people think he think he won that fight. In the second fight, uh, when Ward had Kovalev up against the ropes, he got the TKO. But as you could see, some of those shots were low. I'm just curious of, of what what did you think uh, at the end of that second Kovalev and Ward fight? Um, I think some of the shots were low. And again, you can go back and and you know cry over spilled milk and say the referee didn't do his job or whatever. But again, that was something that happened. Like Andre Ward. The second fight figured out Sergey better and made adjustments. Sergey didn't make adjustments in the second fight. So, you, you know, that's going to happen. And it happened, and you, I mean, it happened against Andre Ward. You know what I'm saying? It didn't, you know, and you just, you, you, you move on and you make the right adjustments. And, you know, that's what it's all about. I mean, look, the Sergey story, which no one's really picked up, reminds me of the Arturo Gaddy story. You know, Arturo was supposed to be his last fight. And not that this was against war. supposed to be, you know, um, Sergey's last fight. But, you know, here goes Arturo Gaddy to fight big, bad Oscar De La Hoya. It's the same thing with Andre Ward. He gets stopped by Oscar De La Hoya. He wants to come back. He goes and he changes his trainers to the same exact guy Sergey had, Buddy McGirt and Teddy Cruz. And he came back to fight Teron Millette and looked like a totally different fighter. Totally different fighter. And it gave him a second half of his career. Because, you know, with Buddy McGirt, with the training, him and Arturo clicked, him and Sergey clicked. Teddy Cruz with the strength and conditioning, you know, Sergey for the second Alvarez fight before the weigh-in was eating breakfast. Mentally, that is an advantage, you know, and, and, and they're, they both work well together and they're good with the mental aspect. When guys get taken over by no trainers, they could fight. Arturo Gatti knew how to fight. Sergey Kovalev knew how to fight. It's about it's about the right people bringing the right things out of you mentally and physically. Absolutely, and and Arturo Gatti and Sergey Kovalev they definitely will take on all challenges, all comers. So 
just to close it off, final question. Sergey Kovalev's in the ring for his next fight. Standing across from him is who? Is it Anthony Yard or is it Canelo Alvarez? Oh, I, look, me? I hope it's Canelo Alvarez. <laughs> you know, I mean, but yeah, like I said, in what, there's been no offer as of yet. So we'll see. We will see what happens. Jolene Mazzone, Vice President of Operations and Matchmaker at Main Events. Thank you so much for the time. Not a problem. Anytime. Jolene Mazzone clearing up some of those Canelo Kovalev rumors. It looks like she and the Main Events team would like that fight to happen. All right. Switching gears a little bit. We are going to talk to Pauli Malinaji. You've seen him in boxing, and he just fought on bare-knuckle boxing. He did not get the decision, and he has a lot to say about it. And we are going to get the official percentage chance that he would fight Conor McGregor. All right, this is Karan Bhatia for the Ask the Experts podcast. I am lucky enough to be chatting with former welterweight champion. He's had a great career. Pauli Malinaji just came off the main event against Artem Lobov at Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 6. Pauli, obviously the fight didn't go your way in terms of the judges. You won the first two rounds on every scorecard, but the judges gave Artem the last three. I know you broke your hand uh, in the second round. Just just take us through the fight and, and what happened. Uh, yeah, I got robbed pretty much of what happened. Um, uh, I, I think most most everybody uh, that watched the fight um, that I've talked to have uh, has felt like I won the fight and they didn't think it was very competitive either. Um, having said that, uh, I do think if you're Artem Lobov, you definitely can take this result and, and benefit yourself with it. And uh, I think, you know, he should be happy that you know, he he uh, he was able to take this win. You know, he has been a lot of uh, close fights that he haven't gone his way in his career. So I think you know it was a good birdie for him to get the win uh, here. Uh, but I think as far as he should be the only one that should be half satisfied with the performance because he got the win. Because <laughs> even if you're Artem Lobov's friend or if you're Artem Lobov's trainer or if you're Artem Lobov's supporter, there's no way you can be you can actually watch that fight and think and think like, oh, wow, he, he really won that fight. I mean, unless you're mentally retarded, there's no, there's no way. I mean, I actually watched it a couple of times now, and I still can't fathom uh, how he got rounds three and five. I mean, they gave, all three judges gave him three, four, and five. I still can't fathom. Round three is the dominant round by me. I actually dominated three more than I dominated one. But there's a moment in round three where I think everybody got fooled, at least those three judges, uh, and and – uh, got fooled, and the Lobov hit trade got fooled because it's a shot that doesn't land. It's a left hand that he throws. It doesn't land. It basically grazes my cheek, but I'm spinning to my left. And with the southpaw right-handed dynamic, you um, sometimes you trip over each other's feet when you're moving in that direction. And I, as I was spinning to my left, getting away from the punch, I, I, I tripped over his lead foot because we're on the same side, and I kind of went off balance. I think maybe uh, some people thought it was uh, uh, a shot that might have stumbled me. Might have, uh, uh, I might have felt or whatnot, so they figured it's an excuse to give him the round. The shot didn't even land. And aside from that, I actually dominated the round more than I dominated round one. You know, uh, it's a shame because even the, even, even the announcing team was pretty much Bush League aside from Antonio. Um, you know, the, the announcer, the, 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 uh, the ball by blow guy said better, that's better work by law ball when the shot didn't even land when that happened. And, uh, and, um, the, uh, the MMA announcer, uh, Lytle, was basically, Doing every, he had everything but his pom poms out cheering for for Lobov for anything that was going on, you know. Even if he had to make it up, so so yeah, it was a little bit uh, frustrating to uh, 
have to really watch it and and hear that, but also know what really happened and and watch the fight as it unfolds and and, and, and clearly see myself winning the fight, you know. And I, you know, I was watching that fight, and, and it kind of seemed like the same fight. It seemed like you were boxing circles around Artem, and it seemed like Artem wasn't doing enough. He definitely doesn't wasn't doing enough early. Um, I definitely saw him come on a little bit later, but it didn't seem like he was necessarily that effective. He came on in the fourth, but he basically shot his load in the fourth too because he didn't do anything in the fifth. You know, uh, I, the reason I didn't do anything a lot in the fifth was because my hands were both hurting. I mean, my right hand was broken, and my left hand I had overused it to the point now. That, that it was really in, in a lot of pain, you know. I I, I think I put both of my pictures of uh, both pictures of my hands after the fight on Instagram, and people see how bad the swelling was on both hands. So I think even my left hand by round five was killing me. But but he round five he literally didn't land the punch, not even anything crazy. He I, he literally didn't land land a single punch on round five, which is amazing to me that you can get around without landing a single punch. <laughs> but but um they sure all three judges sure found a way to give it to him. All three judges rounds three, four, and five gave it to Artem. Obviously, a lot of people were not happy with that decision, including including yourself. You know, there was a lot of bad blood uh, before the fight. You know, there was the slap that took place at the media workout. Um, there was all the trash talk. And I know that not not only with Artem, but you've had uh, some bad blood, obviously, with his stablemate, with Conor McGregor. Some people had said after this fight, if you had won, it could set up that eventual fight with you and Conor. Do you still want to, to fight Conor McGregor? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that was everybody just making things up as they went along, you know. Uh, they just figured out, uh, I mean, I was angling for a Conor fight. I was angling for the video to be released. I was, uh, if the Conor fight came about, it would come about, but I wanted that full video to be released. Um, no, I mean, uh, listen, at this point, I think people are going to believe what they want to believe. Um, people are more so, people are more, the MMA community is now more so saying, oh, if, if, if I lost the wall bubble, what Conor have done to me? You're you're taking a bad finish one-handed, and I had to make the adjustment to fight one-handed. And then you're 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 judging it on what I would do in another fight. Obviously, these mental midgets just keep getting dumber the more I listen to them. But you know the 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 whole point of another fight would be I would have two hands, would it not? A two-handed fighter is different. I think I think if I'm two-handed on Saturday, um, you know the the fight probably doesn't go the distance. But you know uh, it's it's what it is. You know you gotta. You got to take what you can, and obviously one of the things I wasn't blessed with is good hands, you know. So I guess that was always a risk. And uh, like I said, credit to Arm. I mean, he he did what he had to do, and uh, and uh, you know he he tried. Uh, no matter what I think of the end result, you know he did try his hardest, and uh, you know he was credited with the effort. And like I said, I mean I don't I don't have a problem with him benefiting from the win because like he's he's been a guy who's had a lot of bad breaks in his career. So it's, you know, it's, it's, if it's gonna, if a good break was gonna happen, it's gonna be, hey, you know, what can I say? I, I'm glad it's him. I know that you've uh, said Miguel Cotto was one of the toughest, if not the toughest guy you fought. Where do you rank uh, Artem Lobov in, in, you know, you fought some, some great uh, champions. You fought um, Amir Khan, Adrian Broner, Danny Garcia, many, many people. Um, where do you rank Artem in, in that list of people you fought? I mean, I don't know. This is a different sport. It's a different situation. Uh, it's, it's hard to rank him. Um, it's hard to rank. It's hard to give Artem a ranking um, as far as you know making comparison to the rest of my career. Um, what? So what's after this? You know, you said that if you had won, you would have continued in bare knuckle fighting championship. Um, what's What's next for you? Are you retired from all combat sports? Are you going to make a comeback in boxing and bare knuckle? What's next for Pauli Malinaji? Um, no, I don't. I don't think I'm going to fight again. Yeah, you know, it's funny because as I, I I got really settled into the fight, and I was like, I literally saw all the punches. I was I didn't get hit with a single shot from the outside, except for a couple of grazing shots. But 
So, you know, I mean, I looked at my face compared to the rest of uh, the guys on the card. Like, I got cut with one bed inside clinch, you know, and I got I opened up some bad gashes, uh, on the, one on the side of my face and one, one on, right on top of by my eyebrow, you know. Uh, aside from that, you know, which is, you know, a small hiccup in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but, of course, it opened up bad gashes. I mean, aside from that, I, I did not take a single clean shot in the fight. So, um, I wasn't even sore the next day. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, my, my face wasn't even really bruised up or anything. You know, I had to have the cuts, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it, I was actually like thinking like, this is actually not that difficult, but the problem, the problem is your hands. I mean, and I have always had very, very bad hands and, uh, and that will, that was always, that was always been my kryptonite and really in bare knuckle, I guess, you know, I was kind of, kind of stubborn and didn't want to listen to the people that said I would break my hands, but sure enough, you know, the hand, the hand breaks, and uh, and even the one that didn't break, it was it was very very it was in a lot of pain and a lot of swelling. So most likely, Pauli Malinaji is going to be retiring, like you like you said. Um, you've had such a great career, fought so many champions, been a champion yourself. Um, it sounds like there's no chance for the uh, eventual Pauli versus versus Connor matchup. I'm just wondering, you know, after this fight, you obviously gained a little bit of respect for Artem, I'm sure, just based on that you guys fought each other, and it looked like you had some respect after. Um, just looking ahead, does the beef with Connor, you know, does does that still stand going going forward? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really thought about anything, you know, like I said, I mean, I just didn't like that everything that had been broadcasted out of the lie, you know, and, uh, but you know what I think I, you know, you can't really make people believe what you want them to believe or, or make them believe the truth. If they don't want to believe it. You know, it's at this point, does it really matter if they, if they want to believe a lie then let them believe a lie? You know, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, people's opinions aren't going to make or break what I'm doing in my, my everyday decision-making at the end of the day, if I was going to fight again, I probably would have wanted the law ball rematch first, you know, but honestly, I don't care enough to even uh, want to put myself through this again. With my hands are just in a lot of pain uh, today as I'm talking to you, you know. So it's like even though I have one hand in a cast and I have the other hand that luckily didn't break, but it still has a good amount of swelling in it. So I, I align to anti-inflammatories hoping that, you know, it will continue to go down. It's just diminishing little by little, but it's just not something I feel like going through anymore. I'm almost 40 years old. I just, I just don't want – I don't just – I just don't have the – the care to to want to go through these things again and i know i know since the uh the whole incident uh you said that social media there's been more trolls more more hate and you can handle it but i know that you've said you have family members who now hear this stuff and come up to you and they say uh you know why are people saying this or what does this mean i'm sure that that has to kind of bother you a little bit right um uh, yeah but i haven't seen my family since i've been done yet i'm still uh still down in florida um i'm not gonna be back up in the northeast for a while because uh, I've got to work on, I've got to travel, I've got to do some work on and, and call all the other places. So uh, we'll see, we'll see when I see my family, how it goes, you know, and uh, uh, more so the kids in my family than anything else. But I'm sure, like I said, I mean, at this point, like, the only one that should be happy with the result and because it benefits him is Artem. You know, I don't have a problem with Artem being happy. I don't have a problem with Artem saying anything about the result in his favor because, you know, I mean, he, he's a fighter and he was in there and he got the win in it and it's going to, this is going to benefit him. But really, like I said, I mean, anybody else, if, if, if that's a satisfactory performance and you really, in your mind, think he won the fight, then for me, you're a stone cold retard. I mean, there's nothing I can, I, it, can't even, it can't even bother me. You know what I mean? Because I, it's like, it's, I, I can't, it's a, I can't be bothered by that level of stupidity. 
And Artem said after the fight that he's going to go now go into traditional boxing. Um, I know you're not his manager, or his coach, or anything, but do you, do you think that's a good idea for him to go into regular boxing? Listen, if, if Artem can, if, if Artem can get paid, then why not? You know what I'm saying? I, I would, uh, you know, I, I I can't tell you how successful or unsuccessful he's going to be, but why not? You know, like at this point, you know, Artem's been the kind of guy who has been willing to try anything, and then if they pay him enough, he'll he'll, he'll fight anybody. You know, at any point, at any weight. You know, he's he's always been the you know have gloves will fight kind of kind of attitude. So you know, he, I I can't knock that. He's got a lot of character when it comes. To, regardless of what you think about his ability, he's got a lot of character when it comes to when the, once the bell rings and he's ready to fight. You know, so whether he'll be successful or not, I mean, if he wants to give it a shot and, and, and he's able to uh, get him land himself a deal that gets him paid, I, I would uh, I would be happy for him. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. And just to just to wrap it up, like we said, you fought so many great champions. You had the fight with Sean Porter. Um, I just wanted to get your take. There's some rumors out there that Porter uh, may fight Spence next. I'm just curious of, of your take of how that fight would play out. I know when you fought Porter and that fight ended, you you went up to him and said, "Hey, I don't want to have to be remembered that I got beaten by a you know a decent fighter. I want you to be a great fighter." So I'm I'm curious of how you think that matchup is going to go down: Sean Porter versus Errol Spence. Um, I think it would have probably been better about a year ago. I think Sean looks like he's kind of decreasing in the last uh, couple of performances, but we'll, uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, you can't let him off. He's not, he's not an old man. I think he's in his early thirties still. And, you know, Errol's not old at all either. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly a fight that I'll listen in and watch, but uh, I, I think Sean needs to be a little better than he's been in his last couple of performances. And uh, obviously you're going to continue your career as an announcer with, with Showtime. Um, do you ever look back at, at, you know, all your fights? You talked about the hand injuries and being prone to that. Um, you made the adjustments. You, you, it, you know, not reinvented, but you, you were the slick boxer. You were able to have success in that way. Do you ever think about your career as a whole and say, you know, if you didn't have the hand injuries and the hand problems, what if, what could have happened then? Do you ever go back and kind of think about that, your career in that way? No, I don't think about it that way. I actually think about it in the other way. I think about like, you know, uh, wow, like I can't believe I was able to ha- have this career and make millions of dollars and, and, and have, you know, and have gotten my way to a, a, a better, made my got my way to a better life ba- uh, based off of the performances in this career, you know, because my hands are just terrible, They're just terrible. Like, and then I was reminded of this, this, week, this past weekend in a Wawa fight. So I, I, I'm almost, I almost feel fortunate. Yeah, is it disappointing that I don't think people ever got to see like the best of me? Yeah, I, I think it is. But I also think that I'm not the only athlete who's, who's been through these kind of circumstances either. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm unique in that way. I think that these kind of things probably happen to some other, some other athletes as well, not just fighters, but also other athletes in general. So, you know, but I, but I, I do think, you know, of it in that way, but... I'm ultimately fortunate because it's all about being able to uh, take care of yourself at the end of the day. We're prize fighters and we tried our best to, uh, to make the best of our careers. Um, I look at it like this. I, I probably had a better career as mostly a one-handed fighter than, than uh, most fighters who have two hands. And so I can only count my blessings. Paul, you, you've had a, an excellent career and uh, just wanted to know if you have a final word, final thought for, uh, fa- you know, people have followed you for a long time and, and, and any of your fans, any any uh, parting uh, last words that you want to say? No, I'm just, uh, I'll, be, I'll be commentating for a long time, I hope, you know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the traveling. I enjoy the uh, being winning cyber fights all over the country, all over the world. And uh, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll have a busy schedule coming up. You know, I have to go to Houston this weekend. I have to go to Saudi Arabia for the con fight. 
and then I'll be working White versus Rebus in in London. I'll also be working Ultimate Boxer in Manchester that same week. So, so I've got a busy schedule coming up, and uh, I look forward. And it keeps me busy, and it keeps me distracted, and uh, it keeps me, uh, I guess, succeeding. You know, and that's why that's what I want. And and last question, just to wrap it up, I have to ask. You know, if we had to give a, a percentage of what's the chance that maybe we see Kali Malinaji in an MMA ring, who knows who's across? If it's Conor McGregor, well, what percentage chance would that be? Would it be a ten percent chance? Would it be less than that? Negative ten percent chance. Yeah. Polly, thank you so much for your time, for your for your candor. Best of luck in retirement. I'm sure we'll see you uh, ringside calling fights for Showtime and, and all and for Sky and all the other great work you're doing. Thanks so much. You got it, Con. That was Polly Malinaji. What better way to follow that up than hearing from Polly's opponent, Artem Lobov? All right, this is Karan Bhatia for the Ask the Experts podcast. I am joined by Artem Lobov, a.k.a. The Goat, a.k.a. The Russian Hammer. Artem, congratulations on your win. You just beat uh, Paul. the Siberian Express. Choo-choo, motherfucker. How are you doing? <laughs> there we go. What an introduction. There we go. Uh, congratulations on your win against Pauli Malinaji uh, in the main event of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 6. Artem, I, I spoke to Paulie and he said his words, he thinks he won, he outboxed you. Uh, he said you only hit him with grazing shots, you only hit him once, and he says he was robbed. What are your thoughts when, when you hear that? Come on, I think his, his uh, face uh, paints a different picture. You know, I definitely hit him more than uh, once. You know, he had some huge cuts on his face. He had bruises on his face, as you see, and the best shot you can't even see on his face because that landed right on his chin and it rocked him. So he didn't really leave a mark, you know, because he's got a beard. And, you know, but 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 it's uh, but but that was the biggest shot on that in that fight. You know, he was rocked, he was wobbled, and he felt the power. So I clearly won that fight. And to be honest, that was a wasn't even a bare knuckle rule fight. It was more of a boxing uh, match because I was not allowed him at all uh, and that's understandable you know it's a new sport this is the first time this fight took place in Florida so the referee wasn't experienced yet so you know he's uh, you can forgive that of course but having said that if this was a full-on bare knuckle of sea rules I would have stopped him because once I got him in the clinch I, I straight away felt that he didn't really know what was happening he was very tense you know uh, and I started sidelining shots but then I could hear referee shout, like, stop punching, stop punching, and he would break us up. Uh, but the rule in bare knuckle is, as long as I'm punching, they're not allowed to break up the clinch. So I didn't really understand that. You know, um, I tried to give out to the referee in the fight, but he said, no, you have to start punching straight away, which I was anyway. But I was very confused with that, because if you look at boxing fights where clinch isn't really you know, allowed as much as in bare knuckle, they even clinch longer than he was allowing me clinch, Poli. But whatever, I just had to, you know, go to plan B. Uh, I just had to box him. I prepared for that as well. And I outboxed the two-time world champion. Yes, I've heard you express your frustration about the rules. They're supposed to let you clinch, but they didn't let you work while clinching. That must have been frustrating. Now that the fight is put to bed, it's over. You know, during the buildup, Paulie slapped you. He said he would spit on you. Is the beef over? Is there a respect level for Paulie now? Or does that beef still exist between you and Paulie? You know, uh, we, we settled the beef now, you know, it, we, we, we show, we, he showed up, 
um, we had a good fight. Uh, he, you know, put his hand out and bow down in respect, in the shine of respect at the end. And, you know, there was not really much to it after that. You know, it's, there's no point carrying that in your heart. There's no point staying with that negativity, you know. Just move forward and, uh, and live a good, happy life. And that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm on to the next one. This one is already behind me. It's in the books. It's on my record uh, as a win. Uh, and that will be there, you know, for, for long after I'm gone. Happy days. But now let's see what the next challenge is. Let's see it. It sounds like that is put behind you. One other beef question. We know you had the situation with Khabib. He confronted you, which caused Connor to fly over and, and smash the bus and all that. What's the relationship between you and Khabib? Is, is there still uh, a little bit of uh, bad blood there? No, there's not a little bit of bad blood. That still, that beef is nowhere near to be squashed. Uh, that has to be settled uh, in the octagon, and it will be. Let's let's hope that we get that fight. Uh, we just mentioned Conor McGregor. Conor talked to you after your performance against Pauly. Uh, what did Conor have to say to you after after your big win? Yeah, it was good. Uh, good job. Good performance. Control the fight. Dominate him uh, in all aspects of the fight. Um, you know, he ran, which made it for a difficult fight. I expected him to run. But, uh, you know, uh, I was hoping to deal with that by clinching, which I wasn't allowed. So then obviously I had an opportunity to run. But, you know, Connor was happy with my performance. Uh, yeah, I got the win and that's it. You've, you've uh, obviously been close with Connor, been in his training camp. It's interesting that Connor, when preparing for Floyd Mayweather, actually brought in Polly, and there was this situation about the knockdown. Did it happen? And sparring, did it not? You were in that training camp, you know, as, as a fly on the wall in the training camp. What did you see in terms of Connor and Polly in, uh, in, in Connor's training camp? Uh, of course, uh, you know, yeah, Connor, um, Polly was dropped. And I mean, you've seen it. I mean, you've seen how Conor looked against Mayweather, you know, the number one guy uh, in boxing. You know, Conor dominated uh, the early rounds. He landed many, many shots. Uh, he, he landed the second most amount of shots on, on uh, Mayweather he, from all of Mayweather's opponents. So, I mean, you can only imagine how that went with, uh, you know, Pauly, who came in, you know, not exactly in shape, and uh, he's never been on the level that Mayweather is on. So that was a complete dominance by Conor. Uh, he dominated both spars and, uh, and, and hurt Pauly. So Conor uh, challenged himself. He tried boxing just like you challenged yourself. You went from MMA to uh, bare knuckle fighting. What is next for you, Artem? I I've read that you want to go into traditional boxing. Is that what's next? Is it going to be more bare knuckle? Is it MMA? What's next for Artem? Yeah, I mean, I would love to have a boxing fight. You know, I'm hoping uh, I would love to fight someone like Amir Khan. You know, he's a guy at the end of his career. Uh, I could see in his last fight that he doesn't really have that fire in him anymore. He doesn't want it as much. Uh, and that's a perfect opportunity. He seems to just want to make some money. He has a fight coming up to him. So I don't really like, you know, calling people out too much or talking anything bad when somebody's getting ready for a different fight. Not, not with me. You know, I don't want to distract them like that. So, you know, I wish him a good camp. Um, I hope he has a safe fight. But after that, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. You know, they, you know, all these boxers have been saying that it's going to be an easy fight for them against MMA guy. I just outboxed a two-time world champion, somebody that he fought before also. Let's find out how it goes in the boxing ring. I would love to fight Amir. 
Amir Khan, he was supposed to fight Niraj Goyat in Saudi Arabia. Goyat involved in a car accident. They brought in Billy Dib, who I spoke to, uh, who is going to be the new opponent. So if Khan, you, like you said, you don't want it, you never want to say, uh, you never want to overlook an opponent, um, but Khan is significantly bigger than Dib. If Khan is able to get past Dib, you're saying you want a chance at Khan. Do you want to fight Khan in MMA, in bare knuckle, in regular boxing? What would be, where would you want to fight him? Of course, boxing. You know, I love, I love a challenge. You know, so and also for a boxer, it's it's almost impossible to cross over to MMA. You know, without years and years of training, it is a lot. It is a quicker transition from MMA into boxing. I feel, and especially for me that I already been boxing. You know, I basically my last two camps have been boxing camps, so I'm ready to box. You know, if he is ready, I am. That's that's great to hear. It sounds, you know, Artem, you've always been able to take on any comers, any challenge in the boxing world. You want to take Amir Khan. Do you also have, you know, maybe down the line in a few years, you mentioned Khabib. Is that would you also like to possibly uh, fight in UFC again and maybe fight Khabib in the octagon? Would that be something you'd want to do? Well, I mean, you know, I have to be as well realistic. You know, at the moment where I'm at, you know, for me to fight Khabib is, is just unrealistic. You know, he's a, you know, has the belt in the UFC and I'm not even in the UFC. Of course, if the opportunity presents itself, I would take that fight in a heartbeat. But, you know, I have to be realistic with the goals that I set right now. And for now, I feel a fight with Amir Khan is more realistic than, than saying that fight. So, um, you know, for now, we'll see. I just keep going, take it one fight at a time, keep building my career, keep building my name. Uh, and then we'll see what happens. You know, one thing I realize in this uh, in uh, in this sport is that uh, publicity. You know, uh, your publicity, your name, that that opens a lot of doors. You know, the bigger your name is, the the more fights you can you can accept. You know, you can call out anybody, and the fight will happen. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'm just building my name. I'm uh, I'm improving every day, becoming a better fighter, and then we'll see what happens. You're, you're taking on all challenges, uh, you know, and that, that has proven true. You're very fan-friendly. You're a fan favorite. Do you ever look at, you know, the meme culture where they say Artem the goat and, and there's all the memes and the photos of you? Do you look at that? And, and if you do, what's, what's your reaction? Does that, does that make you laugh? Do you enjoy that? Oh, yeah, I've seen many of them. I love it. I, uh, it's, it's really, like some of them are really, really funny, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I love a bit of comedy. Comedy is great and just humor in general. You know, I've been in all kinds of situations in my life. Uh, sometimes, you know, we didn't know whether we're going to have food tomorrow. We didn't know where we're going to live. But, you know, you say a little joke and you smile and that gives you enough sort of, you know, energy and the will to keep going, keep grinding, keep pushing forward. So I absolutely love it. You know, it makes me laugh. And if it makes somebody else laugh, even one person, well, then that's a good deed. Keep, keep them coming, guys. It sounds like you are in a good place. Obviously, you're recovering from the bare knuckle match. I'm sure that there was some injuries to be had, but it sounds like your your mindset is good. You're you're hungry to fight again, and uh, and that you're you're happy right now in your stage of of your career. Absolutely, you said it. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel right now. Artem Lobov, thank you so much for the time. You're always uh, a come forward fighter, an exciting fighter, and, and I hope to see you in the ring soon, whether that's uh, in an MMA ring, in a bare knuckle fight, or sounds like boxing against Amir Khan could be on the horizon possibly. So hope to see you in a combat sport sometime soon. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for having me. We got both perspectives there of the BKFC 6 main event. Pauli Malinaji giving his side. Artem Lobov telling us how he thinks it went down. Also, 
Artem Lobov calling out Amir Khan. He wants to fight him in a boxing match. But like Artem said, he doesn't want to overlook Amir's upcoming fight. And that fight is on July 12th. Remember, that was supposed to be Pakistan, Amir Khan versus India, Niraj Goyat. But Niraj Goyat was in a car accident. He's recovering. He should be okay. But he was forced to pull out of the fight. So they had to get someone else. They found Billy the Kid Dib. Billy was already fighting on the undercard. And he is moving up to fight Amir Khan in the main event July 12th in Saudi Arabia. Now here's the thing. Billy Dib usually fights at 135 pounds, sometimes even 130 pounds. Amir Khan's usually fighting at welterweight, 147. So Billy Dib is definitely taking a risk here. Obviously, the reward would be huge if he can put on a good show against Khan. We caught up with Billy Dib, and let's get his thoughts about this challenge. All right, this is Karan Bhatia for the Ask the Experts podcast. I am speaking with Billy Dib. Billy, you just got the call up to fight Amir Khan uh, in Saudi Arabia. He was originally going to fight Niraj Goyat, who actually was injured in a car crash, and they brought you in. So just tell us first, how did this come together? How did it, What happened when you got the call? Well, basically, uh, you know, I was, I was scheduled to fight on the undercard of Amir Khan anyway versus uh, Niraj Goyat. So I was on the undercard. And then... Uh, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I was one of the more experienced guys on the card, or probably the most experienced guy on the card. So, when when his opponent uh, had the accident, you know, and they contacted me and said, hey, listen, do you want to step in? And I was like, well, of course, I'd love to, of course. You know, it's a great opportunity. So, you know, um, you know, I grew up as a kid watching Rocky movies, so this is definitely my Rocky moment. I've heard you talk about that. You've uh, mentioned it on social media. You're, you're, you're daring to be great. You're coming up almost three weight classes. So this is really a, a rocky moment for you. Are you concerned about the weight? I mean, your fights have been at 135, 130 pounds, and, and now I'm guessing this fight is going to be at 147. Are, are you concerned at all about that weight difference? Uh, to be quite honest with you, like, you know, a little bit. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be lucky if I, if I didn't say I was. I mean... I am a little bit concerned, but, you know, I'm firing big guys in the gym for my whole career, you know what I mean? So, you know, I've been hit hard, and, and like, you know, I mean, I've I mean, I, I got pretty good whiskers, so, you know, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, kind of another type of uh, beat compared to um, guys that I've fought, but, you know, I've been hit hard in the gym, and I take them well, so, you know, I don't I don't expect that new kind of, like, you know, be able to really hurt me seriously or anything like that, so, you know, and I can't cancel my chances, to be honest. And this fight is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Um, I'm just, I'm just wondering. You know, you never fought in Saudi Arabia. You're from Australia. I know, you, I know your parents are from uh, Lebanon. Um, so, have you? What do you think about this fight in uh, in Saudi Arabia? Traveling over there, are you ready for that? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, I was scheduled. As I said, yeah, I was scheduled to fight on Yamakar, so I'm very, very excited. But, um, I mean, I've been to Saudi Arabia before because I've done the pilgrimage. Uh, so, you know, to go over there and to fight in front of the Arab nation, it's going to be very, very exciting for me. And we all know, we saw Amir Khan uh, in his last fight against Terrence Crawford. Uh, he went down in the first round. He did get up from it. Um, but he obviously has been knocked out before. He got knocked out uh, by Canelo, Danny Garcia, Bradis Prescott, and others. 
you're seeing that and saying, you know, maybe he has a shaky chin. Are, are you looking to try to capitalize on that? Uh, yeah, of course. You know, I'm, like, obviously my my uh, goal would be to land uh, Hail Mary on his chin, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, I like, the one thing is that I will hit him for sure, you know what I mean? And being the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm smaller, he's going to find it very difficult to fight me, you know what I mean? So, you know, I will definitely land something on his chin, but you know, when you're talking about Crawford and you're talking about, um, uh, you know, Canelo and all them sort of guys, you're talking about guys who are a lot stronger than I am. But, you know, anything is possible, you know what I mean? You, if you land a good shot on, with good timing, then anything is possible. You, you talked about a smaller guy. I know that someone that you worked with in the past was Prince Nassim Hamed. He was one of the best smaller fighters that we've had. He obviously patched, packed a huge punch. What did you learn from uh, Prince Nassim Hamed? I learned a lot from Nas. You know, like growing up as a kid, I tried to emulate everything that Nas did. Obviously, I wasn't blessed with the power that he was blessed with. But, you know, I, I tried to copy some of the moves that he had. And did, but, you know, growing up in my relationship with Nas, you know, he always just advised me to use good timing and, um, you know, and then and, and don't be too erratic. Uh, look for the shots, try to land them flush and clean. So, you know, that's exactly what I'll be looking to do in this fight. I'll be just looking to land, you know, good, clean shots. That's it. I read that before the uh, Kevin Farmer fight, uh, you were contemplating retirement. Um, is this fight with Amir Khan, is this a make or break fight for you and, and your career? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, look, hey, there's nothing expected me of, of, of me in this fight. You know, like me, obviously everyone's going to be saying, you know, Billy Dib's crazy. He's moving up to to, to firing weight. But for me, it's like, well, look, Mikey got moved up to 147 to fight Spence, right? So, you know, what I mean, and like Mikey started off at 126, like I did. You know what I mean? So, you know, some, sometimes. Yeah, you got to take a big risk for rewards, but like in saying that, you know, this doesn't mean that if I lose, I retire or anything like that. No. To be quite honest with you, you know, what I mean, as I said, there's nothing expected of me, so I just go and do the best that I can. And uh, you know, it, like this being in there is a moral victory in itself. And when you saw Mikey Garcia dare to be great, taking on the challenge of Errol Spence and jumping up to weight classes. He had a tough time in there, and, and he couldn't really find that plan B. For you in this fight, are, do you have a, a plan B in case your original plan doesn't work out and, and, and a way to make those adjustments uh, look, in there? Look, I'm just going to go out there and do the best that I can, you know what I mean? I'm just yeah. going to – I've got, like, different kinds of styles, you know what I mean? So, you know, evidently and obviously I will definitely mix it up, you know what I mean? I'll mix it up. I'll try things. If I'm not having success with one thing, then I'll try another thing. I'm just, yeah, look, I'm just going to go out and enjoy myself. I'm going to, like, really enjoy this moment. You know, obviously, this is going to be, uh, you know, the biggest fight of my career. And it's the biggest, I mean, the highest paid fight of my career. So, you know, I'm just going to go out and seize the moment. Absolutely. And, and before I let you go, I, I just have to ask, uh, you know, it was in the news a few years ago. Uh, you had the uh, the beef with uh, 50 Cent. I just wanted to know how everything with that ended out. I know you said that their promotional company uh, folded. They owed you some money, uh, and there was some bad blood there. Is there still a little bit of uh, bad blood there between you and 50 Cent? I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I haven't heard from him in a long time. And at the end of the day, for me, it's just water under the bridge. You know, he did the wrong thing. He knows that. 
and um, you know, he, he he robbed me for some money, and at the end of the day, that's that's the way it goes, and you, know, you can't cry with spilled milk, and you know, I mean, crying about it I ain't never gonna bring the money back, so. You know, at the end of the day, I don't have any time for a 50 cent. You know, if I ever saw him, I wouldn't even greet him. So I got no time for that guy. I'm sure you saw the uh, big heavyweight upset, Andy Ruiz uh, knocking out Anthony Joshua. Do you take some motivation from that and say, hey, this is the year of the upset and then you're going to do the same thing against Amir Khan? I'll tell you something, man. Everybody said, oh, uh, uh, Andy Ruiz is too small, he's too fat, it's going to be too hard. And then people are going to say, oh, Billy Dip's too small. Uh, upsets happen, man. So, you know, I'm going to be looking to spin that upset. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. And in your uh, Instagram post you posted today, you said in life you get a limited number of opportunities to do something monumental. When the opportunity comes, you answer. You got the call uh, to, to step up and, and take on Amir Khan. So just to just to wrap it up, can you tell the fans what they can expect? Uh, July 12th in, in Saudi Arabia, you're taking – Taking on Amir Khan, just just tell the fans what they can expect. I mean, look, I, I I don't really know what to expect myself, to be quite honest. But what I can tell you is that I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a uh, courageous fighter. You know what I mean? I'm not a quitter. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, you know, my last my last loss was a difficult one against Tevin Farmer, but Tevin Farmer is a great mover, very loosely hard to hit. Sure, Amir Khan won't be hard to hit. He'll be there, and he'll be there to trade. So, you know. Just look for an explosive fight, and obviously, look, you know, I mean, this could end. This could end in disaster. Could end me getting knocked out, or it could end in him getting knocked out. You know, what I mean, or it could go the distance. I don't know. You know, what I mean, I'm just gonna go out there, take each round as it comes, and just do the best that I can. Billy the Kid Dib from Australia, daring to be great. He's taking on Amir Khan, July 12th in Saudi Arabia. Billy, best of luck to you, and thank you so much for the time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Billy Dib. He is not sure what is going to happen, but he is taking on the challenge, stepping up to the plate to take on Amir Khan. We're going to get someone from the Khan side now. We have Khan's strength and conditioning coach and our last guest today, Alex Ariza. Remember, Alex Ariza and Khan worked together in the past, specifically when Khan fought Marcos Maidana, and he actually did not get knocked down in that fight. He won that fight, and it was a very close fight in that 10th round. There was many moments where Maidana was landing shots, but Khan stayed up and won the decision on that one. Did Alex Ariza play a part in that? They're back together now. Khan is taking on Dib, a smaller guy in this fight, but who knows who he's going to take on next? Maybe Artem Lobov. That remains to be seen. But I caught up with Alex Ariza. He's currently in Saudi Arabia with Amir in training camp, and he was nice enough to give us some time. All right, this is Karim Batia for the Ask the Experts podcast. I am speaking with Alex Ariza, strength and conditioning coach. Alex, you've linked up once again uh, with Amir Khan, and you guys are fighting in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he was going to take on Neeraj Goya um, of India, but he was actually in a car accident, Neeraj was, and they just brought in uh, Billy Dib as a new opponent. So can you just tell us a little bit about what's happening? Um, how did how did the fight with Billy Dib come together? Uh, that's a good question. I, <clears throat> uh, I kind of found out about it uh, early this morning. Uh, that uh, there was an incident in India regarding uh, uh, Goya uh, um, and a car accident. Uh, but we were really sure of the, the, 
how bad it was or the extent of, 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 of the injury. So, um, but then within a half an hour, they said, yeah, he was in the hospital and it was, it was something that was going to obviously, uh, have, he was going to, it was going to derail the fight, um, between, you know, obviously India and Pakistan. And you were training for, for Goyat, who was closer to the same size as Amir, but now taking on Billy Dib. Billy Dib is, uh, he's been fighting at 130 pounds, 135 pounds. So does that change your preparation uh, with Amir in terms of how you're preparing him for an opponent? Uh, I, actually, it does. Um, uh, but uh, in the sense of, you know, we, I would, there was no need to really, cons- uh, you know, focus so much on the, on the strength work and, and, and making him a bigger and stronger guy. And uh, so uh, Billy Dibb is a good boxer. And uh, so now we're going to have to focus on more uh, movement and, and speed and, and things like that. But um, overall, we're, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, this is, this is, uh, we're kind of laying a, a foundation, you know, hopefully we're not looking past, we weren't definitely weren't looking past Billy. I mean, uh, Goya, we weren't looking, we're not looking past Billy did, but we were, you know, training, <clears throat> you know, for a, a serious fight. Like I said, I, to me, this wasn't an exhibition. This is, it's the, it's fights like this that, you know, can, can take you back into, into that, uh, upper echelon of fighters. And, and this is your, uh, second go around with Khan. You were with him. Uh, I believe when he fought Marcus Maidana, which he took Maidana's uh, best punches. I believe Maidana had a 98% KO uh, percentage coming into that fight. And Khan actually yeah. stayed up. So that's a testament to to your work. When he left you, uh, he ended up fighting Danny Garcia. Um, he got knocked down a bunch of times. And I, and I know you commented, you said, you know, the first thing to go is the legs. Uh, the first thing to go is the legs uh, when you're when you're in a tough fight like that. So yeah. I'm just curious, now that you're back with him, what are you doing to kind of rebuild Khan, rebuild the legs, rebuild the strength? What are you doing with him now? Well, I think it's the kind of goes, I mean, it kind of goes back a little bit further than that. And um, if, if, uh, if you look back after the, the, the Prescott fight and then he had the, that incredible war with Katelnik where he won the title back. And then, uh, then it was the big fight with, uh, I, I mean, the big, big fight with, uh, um, I think it was second is his second fight in America with Marcos Maidana. That was a war. And then, uh, the one with, uh, Peterson, I thought was also a good war. So it just goes to, sh- it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just that everybody likes to just focus on that Maidana fight and the, and the fight against, uh, even though he stopped, um, uh, Zab Judah. I mean, Zab caught him with some clean shots. So uh, I, I get it. He's, you know, the, I mean, you look at the guys who, unfortunately, at that time, you know, my our training methods and and our philosophies are a lot different than than what Freddie's started to become, and that he wanted to go in a different direction. And and that fight with Garcia, you know, ultimately, well, we saw what happened, and then you know, then with Manny, and then uh, Sinchenko with Paula Malinaji. And, you know, there was a, you know, string of knockouts <clears throat> that kind of uh, pursued once my team left. But, uh, you know, we just have a different philosophy of training. And, and, and I, I've always said that I believe that the, you know, legs and core and, and is, is like roots on a tree. So. And, and so now that you're back with Amir, are we going to see a new and improved uh, Amir Khan in, in this fight? Is he going to be strong and back to kind of the fundamentals and the stuff that you worked around in the first go around? I mean, uh, it's it's really that, I mean to, to 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 that's that's a hard to say that you know to use that uh, Billy Dib as a compass of 
because he is coming up in weight. He was the first one to call right away and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm close to that weight. I'm already at that weight. I can fight at that weight. So there were some other offers that were put out there. Billy Dib just happened to be the one that they that jumped at it right away and said, hey, I'm on my way. And so um, <clears throat> I don't want to sit there and say, hey, yeah, this is going this is going to set you know the the tempo of, of of right off of Billy Dib. He's a great champion, but let's be honest, he is moving up two weight classes. So uh, the game plan with uh, with Bones and and that Bones Adams has come up with has obviously changed a little bit. So, um, it, but it it lays the groundwork and and you know it gives him the confidence to start to go back to how we used to do things and to go out there and, and perform effectively. And just to but, switch gears a, a little bit, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had the big heavyweight matchup, Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. And you as a strength coach, you know, you see uh, in, in Anthony Joshua's chiseled like a statue. Andy Ruiz is not that. Um, but obviously, he has the boxing ability, the, the cardio ability. So I was just curious about your take. When you see something like that, were you surprised in that knockout? Or did you know that, you know, just because of the fact that you're built like a bodybuilder, that doesn't necessarily translate to boxing? Right, it doesn't. It doesn't translate always. But I've known Andy since he was 15 years old, when he was at Wild Card, and he was sparring guys like Andre Olovsky and uh, Latif Coyote, and <clears throat> excuse me, and a lot of a lot of those bigger guys back in there. Same with like David Benavides. He was in there with uh, with a lot of those guys. So um, I it didn't because they've had. I mean, they they've had the best sparring. You know, as they've been growing, they're really prodigies. You know, in my opinion. So I I didn't really think. I don't want. I don't. I think people are taking away too much away from Andy. Um, you know, it, it took a lot for him to get up, but that, that that kid's been, I think, has been a kept secret for a long time. But uh, yeah, Anthony obviously uh, he he kind of fell apart. He gassed out, and uh, yeah, he paid the price for it. And one more big fight that's coming up. I just wanted to get your take on uh, Manny Pacquiao's taking on Keith Thurman. You worked with Manny for a long time, um, and I was just curious to your thoughts of you know since you've departed with Manny, have you seen a different Manny Pacquiao in terms of um, his size in the ring, his speed uh, since you've kind of um, departed working with him? Have you noticed anything different? And, and what is your take on on the Pacquiao Thurman fight coming up? Um, well, I think everybody, I mean, well, you know, we're, we're, we're numbers people, people like Terry and myself and my team. So we, we base a lot of our performances off the numbers. So if a guy's throwing a thousand punches, uh, uh, a fight throughout a career and all of a sudden you lose a third of those, then obviously then that, 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 that's that variable that's, that's missing. However, um, so yeah, I mean, he's become a different fighter. I mean, as far as his his work rate and and obviously his volume punching and you know a lot of the things that happened uh, before the Marquez knockout, um, but I still don't think Thurman's even even remotely in the same class as Manny Pacquiao, not even close. I think that the speed, the I mean, and we saw that in the Josecito Lopez fight. Um, if 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 Josecito was a little bit more was better conditioned and and could and had a better punch volume, he would have knocked Thurman out. So um, I, I'm not I'm not really impressed with with anything that Thurman does, to be honest with you. And and that combined with Manny, I don't think he'll he'll be un, he'll under, I don't think he's ever seen speed like that. And he's not he he clearly doesn't like it to the body. And Manny's always been a good body puncher. So uh, I, I see in a, I, unless I mean I I see Thurman on his bike as soon as he sees the speed and and, and tastes a little bit of the power. There you have it, Alex Ariza. 
out in Saudi Arabia. Best of luck working with Amir Khan. He's fighting Billy Dib on July 12th. Alex, thank you so much for the time. Anytime, buddy. I appreciate it. And that is our show today. I hope we did a good job of looking at what's going on in the boxing world, getting some interesting guests to give you their thoughts. If you made it this far, thank you. I want to hear from you. Find me on Instagram or Twitter on my personal handle, at Curran Bhatia, at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A. And you can follow the show on Twitter, at A-T-E underscore podcast, at A-T-E underscore podcast. You can also find the show on Spotify. If you want to email us, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. This is Karan Bhatia signing off for the Ask the Experts podcast.